You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is happening and welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Thursday, November 8th. The streak is snapped, slow starts, and a lost decade. But Mason, hit him with one finally. And as you guys know, we enlist the services of Mason every time the Pistons get a win. So nice to play the Mason Detroit basketball jingle. But this is your boy Matt Shook, a sports writer here in the Motor City covering the NBA for the Associated Press and the Detroit News, a Pistons fan and follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Really closer to two decades when you think about it, but uh, we won't get into that. Thank you for the listen. That's the payment that you guys give us at the Lockdown Pistons podcast is just supporting all our sponsors, number one, but also uh, spreading the word to your friends, the Pistons fans in your life as well. Today we're going to be breaking down a win for the first time since October 25th, 13 days ago, snapping the five-game losing streak. We're also going to break down these slow starts, talk about some of the culprits there, including the big one. And also want to talk about an interesting article I saw today on the Detroit Bad Boys website, you know, the SB Nation site. They kind of had maybe a macabre version of going back down memory lane. I don't know, nightmare lane, whatever you want to call it, in the 10-year anniversary of the Chauncey Billups trade to the Denver Nuggets. But by the way, give me a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. Also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook. Appreciate you guys doing that and also spreading the word about this podcast on social media as well. But thanks for putting up the for about the with the lack, lack of a podcast on Wednesday, by the way. Uh, was at the Detroit News helping out with election stuff till 4 o'clock in the morning. So didn't really want to come out and uh, finish another podcast after that. And by the time I got moving in, uh, on Wednesday, it was just too close to the Orlando game for there to have, be a lot of shelf life there. So I figured we'd just pass and we'll we'll give you an extra one on Friday to make up for it. But the Pistons get the win Wednesday night, 103 to the 96 in Orlando against the Magic. Another win that doesn't make you feel too good, but I guess after a five-game losing streak, any win is good enough. The Pistons had horrible starts to both halves. We'll talk later about that. But Andre Drummond with the big game got 23 points and 19 rebounds, a great game for him, playing his role. A couple, still a couple post-ups in there that we're not too happy about, but just short of another 20-20 game for him. 20 points for Blake Griffin, five rebounds as well, 15 points for Reggie Jackson. Second straight game, there was another top-heavy box score with the quote-unquote big three fulfilling the stat numbers-wise, following up from Monday's overtime loss to Miami as well. But the Pistons, those guys did get some decent help this time, particularly from the bench mob. Langston Galloway had 12 points. Stanley Johnson had 13 points and six rebounds and probably his second best game of the season. This time, by the way, no Pistons even reached five, reached five assists. So kind of a new low for that team. I've been talking about that state all year. They've had one guy hit seven assists, Blake Griffin, last game for the first time all season. 21 assists total, though, for the team on Wednesday night in the win against the Magic. So a little bit up from the average. Moved the Pistons up to 19.8 assists per game, second to last in the league now, just ahead of the last place New York Knicks. Pistons also 28th in assist percentage throughout the league, which is how many uh, other baskets were, were assisted, and 30th in assist ratio, which is how many total possessions and in assists as well. Just bad across the board in all of those stats for the Detroit Pistons so far. But like I mentioned, the bench, what a great game for them. 
Pistons only went 10 deep the entire game with no Bruce Brown and no John Luehr getting into the game. Also, Kyrie Thomas and Henry Ellenson, by the way, were sent back down to Grand Rapids before the game, so you would imagine that they would not be around for Friday's game in Atlanta as well. But that bench that did play, those five guys that did all get good minutes, remarkable plus-minus statistics for those guys in this one, uh, plus-minus, as you know, uh, it goes up when they score and you're on the court and goes down when the other team scores when you're on the court, just like the hockey plus-minus stats used a lot now in basketball circles. Stanley Johnson, uh, a plus-16, playing now the backup four, kind of appears to be his spot uh, going forward and maybe the one that he was destined to play all along this season, making plays as well in transition, knocked down a couple of threes, and uh, just uh, the Stanley Johnson we've been waiting for, and certainly we don't expect it to show up night in and night out. We're too smart for that. Uh, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me season number four now. Uh, we're not going to get fooled too much on that. But in addition, Zaza Pachulia, strong game for him, a plus 15. Ish Smith, a plus 17. His strong season continues. Jose Calderon, who uh, <laughs> just is a different-looking guy out there, certainly looks his age at 37, plus 14. But uh, certainly an effective offensive facilitator and a guy who's crafty enough on defense to make up for his shortcomings, which are a lot. And when I say crafty enough on defense, which is probably just barely crafty enough on defense to keep him in the league or keep him on the court. And There's going to be games where his body isn't feeling good and you're going to be able to tell right away that he should not be out there. And, and that will certainly happen quite a bit. But uh, hopefully, you know, Bruce Brown maybe gets some uh, point guard minutes going forward and is able to become somewhat passable on the offensive end and maybe supplant him for some of those third and second point guard minutes. It's something I talked about before the season started as a key for the Pistons to kind of get past the expectations of being what we all think they might be and uh, taking that next step as a team in the regular season and possibly even the playoffs is developing Bruce Brown as some sort of uh, third point guard weapon uh, to take away some of the ball handling responsibilities and be able to turn this team from a minus defensive team overall to possibly something like a a plus defensive team with certain lineups. Langston Galloway, as we mentioned, he had 12 points and also was a plus 20 on this game. So Galloway was real strong. I know that plus minus isn't always a or isn't usually a great defender or a great uh, representation of how a, a, a team played. But when you look at the way that that five man unit played, it makes a lot of sense that all those plus minuses are really good. Um, Stanley, when you look at that lineup though, Stanley, Zaza, Ish, Jose, Langston, Galloway, a bunch of guys uh, that are specialists in some ways. Stanley being a plus defender with virtually no offense on most nights. Uh, tonight notwithstanding. Langston Galloway is the other way around. He can be a plus shooter when hot, but certainly lacking defense most nights. Every The other guys, Zaza and, and Calderon especially, and we know that it's just, just kind of dudes, and we know that Ish is able to um, you know do some things well and uh, penetrate the, the defense a lot and uh, certainly has had good games this year. But like I said, just veteran journeymen really, but it, it meshed well tonight. They, they filled their roles and then some. Just a great work from them uh, pulling the starters back from uh, some some big deficits, a 10-0 run late in the second quarter. I'm sorry, late in the first quarter to get it closer, and then a 10-0 run late in the third and early in the fourth quarter to set things up, get things even, even give the Pistons a lead when the starters came back into the game. 27 points for Evan Fournier of the Magic, the Frenchman. And I saw some tweets, as we usually do, 
when the Pistons play the Magic, hoping to get the, him in a Pistons uniform again uh, sometime soon. Not, again, as in the, the, the trade rumors and the trade uh, wants and, and wishes popped up again. He's never played for the Pistons. But that, that has thing that has come up for, before with Evan Fournier as a guy who's a capable wing player on a team that's going nowhere, and he's not a young enough of a, of a piece for them to have so much upside that they really need to hold on to him for a big part of their future. So you certainly – See some room for wing upgrades, and that's putting it nicely with the Detroit Pistons and uh, maybe Fournier as a guy who uh, could be wiggled loose at some point by some team, maybe even the Detroit Pistons. For Detroit, more ugly numbers from three-point land, 11 for 37, 29.7%. But again, a trend that we've been seeing good late. You know, They've been knocking down some three-pointers when it matters, especially some of these comebacks. They've been having the Philadelphia loss over the weekend on Saturday. Just some other games that... When they've needed to hit some threes, um, they've been able to knock them down a little bit better than they have certainly early on in the game when it's been atrocious, especially in the first half. But uh, 9 of 27 for Orlando, a better percentage, but less output in three-pointers made. The decider for stats-wise, though, was pro- was definitely the great free-throw shooting for the Pistons. Detroit was 18 of 20 for a cool 90%. Just do that every night, and you'll have no problem. Obviously not possible, but Orlando was 7 of 9, 78%. So a pretty good percentage, passable anyway, but uh, just didn't get there enough. Orlando is last in the league in field goal attempts by more than one per game uh, of uh, lower than the 29th team in the NBA. So that's what happens when DJ Augustine is by far your best point guard. Although to his credit, he had a strong night, the former Piston with 16 points, a couple of nice blow-bys of Reggie Jackson, who struggles defensively, as we know. And he also caught, uh, Augustine also caught Galloway off guard on a couple of nice cuts in the third quarter as well. So DJ Augustine is doing his thing with the Orlando Magic. Maybe another guy who's a trade candidate at some point if Orlando wants to maybe get a second-round pick or maybe late first-round pick or something for a team looking for some point guard depth or maybe even a starter in an emergency situation if someone gets hurt on a good team later this season. Blake Griffin with a nice dunk. That's on the highlight show is the one that I just saw on ESPN after the Lakers win against Minnesota. Andre with the nice block of an Aaron Gordon dunk late in the game as well. That was a few plays after Gordon put the hand on the head to finish the alley-oop, I, I, which a play that I enjoyed, actually. I'm not here for the, you know, what is this guy doing kind of stuff. Greg Kelser gave it to him a little bit, and, and that's his job. That's what Greg's job is, but that's not me. I kind of enjoy that stuff, especially when you're Aaron Gordon, one of the more dynamic players in the NBA, especially on a team that certainly isn't playing for their championship lives these days. But uh, Andre Drummond with some big putbacks again. Reggie Jackson with a big three late also had a pull-up off of a pick-and-roll. Blake did some nice things at the end as well. And, hey, just real nice to get a win for the Pistons back to 500 at 5-5. Five and 5-5, five. And, uh, five and five. This, this looks very much like a 500 team now uh, when you look at it, doesn't it? You, t- you usually take care of business against the bad teams and uh, usually don't take care of business against the good teams. And those ones in the middle, as we've talked about, will be the story of this season assuming they take care of that business uh, on some of those bad teams. And they'll have a chance to do that again, rise above that 500 mark on Friday on the road at Atlanta, and then the Pistons will be at home on Sunday afternoon, a 3.30 start against the Charlotte Hornets. A couple of winnable wins before a very light week next week, uh, one game over a seven-day span next week, by the way, starting on Monday. So plan some dates with your wife before the holidays get going here, your girlfriend or boyfriend, husband, however you roll. Yourself. Maybe spend some time with yourself. That would be great too. But up next, we're going to talk about the slow starts. 
getting old. And also the starting lineup and what starter really needs to get something going out there. I bet you can guess who it is. But uh, is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right now here on Locked on Pistons. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors that they hear on their favorite daily podcast. Your Our demographic is 98% males and more education and earning power than your traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor Locked on Pistons and go ahead and email me at matt underscore shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, at yahoo.com to find out more. A little bit later on, we're going to be reliving the 10 worst Pistons moves of the past decade, an article from Detroit Bad Boys that I wanted to run through with you guys. And I got a question for you guys as well. So many guys, it seems like to me, and maybe I'm overreacting, maybe I'm um, just kind of only watching what's in front of me and not having a big perspective. Maybe every team, every fans of every team feel this way, especially at this point in the season. Doesn't it seem like with this team, so many guys are hot and cold? Um, they're either out there doing really great for a few minutes or they're out there just completely awful for a few minutes. There's not a lot of steady players who um, are, are pretty even keel. They're, they're, they're providing consistent uh, offense and defense with the team. Maybe Glenn Robinson the third might be that might be one guy, and I'm not. That's not necessarily the best thing in the world because I don't think Glenn Robinson the third. Well, uh, it might be the best lineup for them to be starting him and him getting really good minutes right now. I think that says more about the Pistons' lack of good players in the wing. I don't think that Glenn Robinson the third should be a starter on a playoff team. I think it's just more out of necessity that the Pistons are plugging him in there as the least bad option for a starter. And, and again. Glenn, for a good value for a free agent pickup, maybe a guy who continues to develop and turns his career into more, but not a great starter in the NBA. I think we can all agree on that. And then certainly Blake Griffin so far this season has basically been excellent every game. But, I mean, you got when you think about Reggie, you think about Andre, you think about Langston Galloway, you think about Ish Smith, uh, although Ish Smith's been more positive than negative this season. It's just a lot of guys that are just, and Stanley Johnson pretty much you know, 90 85% of the time he's been out there, guys that are uh, can be complete garbage sometimes and really play poorly, but um, sometimes really play well just for spurts. I wonder if that drives you guys mad at all. So let me know. Get on the listener line and let me know about that, 810 810- uh, 666-1546. Shoot me a text or hit me up on social media. Let me know if you agree with that assessment that this is just up and down guys with this roster. But speaking of downs, I guess slow starts. They continued on Wednesday against the Orlando Magic. The Pistons fell behind 31-16 to with 125 left in the first quarter until an Andre Drummond put back dunk and ignited a big run for the Pistons. The run ended up being 19-9 to before it was all said and done. Pistons open up a little lead in the second quarter with that run as well. Glenn Robinson III got his second start of the season on Wednesday. It didn't help the slow start part of it. Actually, it was the first game that Reggie Bullock and Glenn Robinson III started together, and those two were really kind of the culprits with this slow start that they had on Wednesday in a large way. They were just comically inept in their first eight minutes together, and I tweeted about it. I'm certainly not trying to make a larger point that this should not be the starting lineup right now. I actually actually like the grouping for now uh, as a best-case scenario of the options that you have, given Stanley's problems that he's had so far and really his success that he had on Wednesday night in the backup four role with that unit in the bench, and also Luke Kennard, of course, being out right now. But I wonder if there is something better for this starting lineup, a better mix going forward, maybe when Luke comes back, especially if he can handle the ball a little bit. And sometimes we overrate starting. Of course, it's something we're talking about right now with how the Pistons have literally started games. But uh, minutes is probably more important, and rotations and groupings is more important. I saw the uh, 
the success that the second unit had Wednesday, so certainly you want to roll with that for now and keep the same starting lineup, keep that five out there together. So if you have something there, maybe there's some chemistry that can be bottled up. But I really think that that's a unit that's going to struggle and even defend really consistently. We talk about those five guys that were together. Um, in this, and again, they had a great performance Wednesday, but I don't know if that's sustainable or not. And on the other hand, you got Reggie Jackson out there with the starters who has been struggling this year with his role when he's been off the ball. And maybe if there's maybe there's a fix that, that kind of uh, bridges the, both of those problems with Jackson playing some with the bench unit, uh, certainly an idea that we might want to keep on going forward. He could have the ball in his hands there, and maybe Calderon or Ish uh, plays a little bit with the starting group, not necessarily as a starter, but maybe like a quick substitute, substitute situation. And then roll back into, and then Reggie Jackson might roll back into the game with the the other stars after Calderon uh, plays with the starters a little bit in the first and third quarters or something like that. But uh, the ugly numbers in nine out of the ten games for the Pistons this year, they have faced at least a five point deficit in the first six minutes of the game, so the first half of the first quarter. So the six minute mark of the first quarter, they have trailed at just right if you stop the game right there, uh, halfway through the first quarter. Uh, they have trailed in eight. Of, they have trailed at that point eight times in the ten games, leading twice. And at the end of the first quarter, they have led just once against Cleveland and trailed the other nine times. Now the deficits get a little bit smaller at the end of the first quarter as, as opposed to the end of the uh, first six minutes. So they do a little bit better uh, net wise there. And how about this? I, I put together the composite score in the first half of the first quarter of all the ten games. So stopping it at the six minute mark. And then adding them all together, which now when you get those 10 games together, it's now five total quarters of basketball. Pistons are down in those five quarters, 149 to 113. So, Net, you're giving yourself a 62-point hole in those six minutes of those 10 games. And I've extrapolated over a 48-minute game. That is a 119 to 90 score, a 29-point blowout loss for the Pistons against those opponents combined. Now, and talking about the entire first quarters combined, like I said, they, they tighten it up a little bit in those second six minutes. Um, that deficit became 289 to 254. So again, you're, you're net down 35 points in a hole over those first 10 games, so three and a half points per game. And, and that's extrapolated a total over 40 minutes to be a 116 to 102 loss, so a comfortable 14-point loss to those opponents. And talking about those first six minutes, we're talking about down Philly eight, down the Nets nine, Celtics six, Celtics five, uh, down seven to the Nets on opening night. Just brutal. It's it's tough, uh, tough sledding when you're trying to make up those deficits. And let's talk about it. I mean, it, Reggie Bullock is really struggling and he's been a starter in, in seven of the games, all the games he's played in, he has started and he's got to be one of the through lines. He's got to be one of the things we're talking about. He had one point on Wednesday night, oh of six from the field, 0 of 2 from three-point land. He took uh, one of the three-pointers he took, I think was the first possession of the second half, and then also one in the, I think maybe the second or third possession of the game as well. So getting a look up early, as he should, is and maybe doing a little checking to see if he's um, he's hot today or not, testing the waters a little bit after his slow start. Um, we know he missed the first two games, uh, or he first missed the first game with the flu and missed the last two games previous to Wednesday's game with an ankle injury. In the seven games he's played, he's, his point averages are down to 8.7 points per game. But really the problem has been the, the no efficiency. He's shooting 
29.9% from the field, obviously dreadful for a guard, uh, for any player in the NBA. Um, and then 23.3% from three-point line. This is the guy who was second in the NBA in three-point percentage last year, 23.3. So I believe 40% last year. So real problem for the Pistons to, to think about and Dwayne Casey to mull over is how to start those games, not getting yourself digging a big hole. But the Lockdown Pistons Podcast Network, it's doing unprecedented things. We are on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, not only my accounts for Lockdown Pistons, but for the Lockdown Podcast Network. On Twitter, follow Lockdown NBA Net, and you get all of the Lockdown Podcast Network local hosts covering their NBA team in one feed. It's amazing during game nights, breaking news, and to get the local perspective on what's going on around the league. On Instagram, it's Lockdown NBA Net. We're giving you the biggest stories in just one minute on your Instagram stories. And then we got longer cuts of the biggest stories going on on uh, the regular feeds for Instagram. So give us a follow on both of those accounts, Locked on NBA Net on Twitter and Instagram so far this season. Next up, we're going to talk about the 10 worst Pistons moves of the past decade. That's up next here on the Locked on Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Locked on Network, your team every day. <laughs> well, we know as Detroit Pistons fans, it's been a decade of futility, but at least it's not six decades of futility. So if you want to commiserate about that with the Detroit Lions, you should listen to the Locked on Lions podcast. With Matt Derry, you know Matt Derry from Detroit Radio. A daily look at the Leos, check that out on the network, as well as Will Hunter with Locked On Spartans and Isaiah Hole of Locked On Wolverines. Those guys are getting their feet wet. And let me know um, what you think about those podcasts and other ones on the network as well. The Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. So, uh, wanted I, this article caught my eye from Detroit Bad Boys. I like those guys. I know those guys over there, Laz Jackson, leading the way with that crew. But uh, had an article come across the uh, Twitter sphere today from Steve Henson, one of their writers who's been there for a bit as well, and he's got uh, the the ultimate commiserating. article for all of us fans who have gone through these last 10 years. And, and I've got a little bit of a scapegoat. I was a, living away for eight and a half, nine or so of these years. So I missed a lot of these. Um, you know, I was doing the podcast for the past last season and obviously following this team really on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, I skipped a lot of games when I live in Springfield, Missouri. I skipped a lot of games when I was in the Virgin Islands. And I guess uh, I didn't miss much one playoff season in that time. But Steve's got the top 10 worst moves that they've made over those times. Uh, number 10 being dumping Chris Middleton, Middleton, the famous trade with Brandon Jennings and Brandon Knight being swapped and Chris Middleton being a throw-in. Chris never really got a chance with the Pistons after being uh, injured when he did get drafted. And uh, apparently the Milwaukee Bucks saw something in him, and uh, we're right in seeing that. Number 9, Steve has drafting Austin Day and Brandon Knight. He's pointing out that Stanley Johnson and Luke Kennard, those picks get a lot of crap from Pistons fans, and a lot of it well-deserved. But Austin Day and Brandon Knight, especially Austin Day, I mean, these guys are not having NBA careers at all. Austin Day, I wonder what he's even up to these days. Brandon Knight, we know about the injuries with him, but certainly not a guy who was a can't-miss prospect of uh, of a team looking for a point guard of the future. Austin Day was like a project Tayshaun Prince who never even turned up to anything close to that. Number eight on Steve's list was Rip Hamilton's extension, obviously kind of a package deal with the Chauncey Billups trade, which we will get into in a little bit here on this list. But uh, to to jettison Chauncey in a trade and uh, give Rip an extension, uh, and, and even back then you knew that uh, Chauncey was kind of the heart and soul of that team, the uh, backcourt defensive stalwart of that group, the leader, Rip Hamilton, and as we, as we later found out, 
wasn't a guy who was going to deal with a downturn of a franchise at that point. Uh, number seven, Steve has the 2016 spending spree. We know all about it. Stan Van Gundy went a little wild that summer with a bunch of cap space. Not the first time that happened in this list, by the way. Uh, not Stan Van Gundy the first time, but Ish Smith was his first pickup. John Luer for $41 million over four years. Boban got $21 million in that deal. And then uh, Langston Galloway would come a year later. But with those guys getting that much big money, um, it's, it's contracts that the Pistons are still paying for today. Number six, he has retaining Joe Dumars. This wasn't the Joe Dumars of the first half of his Pistons career, but keeping him throughout all the problems that the Pistons have had. They kept him for at least one year too long, and he threw his his Hail Mary free agent pickup, which we'll talk about a little bit later on this list as well. Number five, Steve has the Andre Drummond post-up experiment, especially early on in his career. They kept uh, feeding him in the post and kept saying, this is what he needs to work on to become an elite player. Little did we know that the league was going away from that completely during that time, and Andre Drummond still to this day has never really lived up to anything of a post-up player and uh, really dangerous enough to the point where they keep feeding on him because we've, as we've talked about on this podcast, he looks decent at it sometimes. Sometimes that hook does look okay. It almost goes in, but we've seen in seven years all, a lot of almost goes in for Andre Drummond in the post. Number four, Steve has Charlie Villanueva and the Ben Gordon signing. We know about the summer of cap room for Joe Dumars threw so much money at uh, Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva. No guys that weren't uh, superstars by any means, but gave them superstar money. Ben Gordon, especially perplexing, given the fact that Pistons had an ample amount of shooting guards, combo guards at that time. So obviously a really big mistake with that one. And then number three, the tradeless streak that Joe Dumars underwent. This was the the Bill Davidson after the owner passed away and Kerry Davidson was running the show for the Pistons to be a middling franchise that needed to make some kind of moves either way, particularly with uh, the beginning of a rebuilding phase. They didn't do that. They went three years without making a trade. Obviously a huge mistake there looking back as well. Number two, the Josh Smith signing. I think if you're my age or even close to my age, you're not maybe one of our younger listeners who for some reason wouldn't remember the Josh Smith signing or someone who's just coming on board over the last couple years of the Detroit Pistons and you don't remember the Josh Smith Pistons debacle. I won't run through it with you guys, but plenty of uh, material out there for you to read and, and check out if you want to relive the bad Josh Smith era. But number one, Steve Hinson has the Chauncey Billups trade as the the number one disaster of the Detroit Pistons of the last 10 years. The anniversary of that trade just passed over the past week or so, and things have gone, certainly gone downhill since then. Uh, the Pistons had made the Eastern Conference Finals for the sixth time the previous season, and uh, Joe Dumars, rightfully so, by the way, I think that's something that gets uh, lost in history. He needed to make some kind of tweak to that team. They couldn't just roll that back, um, but obviously trading Joe Dumars for Allen Iverson was not the right move to make. If it were me, I would have tried to trade Rip. And there was a lot of trades the Pistons in the years previous to that could have made. You, we've heard the, the rumors about uh, a Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, and uh, Amir Johnson package for Kobe Bryant that almost got done. We know early on in Allen Iverson's career that he, along with Matt Geiger, almost got traded to the Pistons in a similar package with Rip Hamilton and others in there. I was always one saying before Kevin Garnett got traded to the Celtics that he was available, and it became true, obviously, that he was available. 
with those uh, kind of stumbling Minnesota Timberwolves still in his prime or the end of his prime at that time. I proposed that maybe a year before this Chauncey Billups trade, maybe it was a couple years before this Chauncey Billups trade, as the Pistons kept losing in the Eastern Conference Finals after the 04 and 05 seasons, that uh, maybe throw a package together of like a Sheed, Rip, or maybe uh, Rip and Tayshon, and then throw Amir Johnson in there, who was a solid trade piece at that time, and go get Kevin Garnett. That was my trade that I was dreaming up at that time, and obviously one that was not made. But and that's led to ten years of where we're at today, which is not good times for Detroit Pistons fans. But uh, Friday we will have a podcast, which is a little bit unusual for us. We're going to look ahead to the weekend on tomorrow's show: Friday in Atlanta, Charlotte at home Sunday at three thirty, and then a really slow week next week for you guys. Um, there's only one game over seven days, that being at Charlotte on Wednesday. So we'll come up with some interviews, some other offbeat stuff to talk about. Um, again, one game over a seven-day stretch. We'll talk about this a little bit next week, how it's that's really odd, especially given that you got four back-to-backs coming up on the calendar in March. Just some weird scheduling by the NBA there. But give us a follow on Twitter and also on Facebook as well. I want to thank you guys for listening, and uh, we will talk to you tomorrow with another Friday podcast here on the Lockdown Business Podcast. This is your host, Matt Shook, saying have a good day, everyone.